Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Josh Spodek. I'm here again with Bill Benenson. Bill, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, and pleasure to talk to you again. Even more so for me, because since we last spoke, I've seen Dirt the movie, I've seen Kiss the Ground, I've seen Fantastic Fungi, all of them I loved, and the collection of them I loved, and combined with Hadza, Last of the First, there's... I can't help. Now, there's lots of other movies that you've done, but I can't help but sense among these, and I suspect among others, that there's a unified voice, there's a, a strategy, maybe a mission underneath them. And, but each one, I could talk about each one, and I've talked about each one to others a bunch. And I wonder where to begin because they're very earthy, they're very relevant. They'd be great even if our environment weren't having issues. The environment does have issues. A lot. Let's start with dirt, because I think that was goes back a ways. It does. It goes back. It was launched officially at Sundance in 2009. And it was uh, very well received there. And from the Sundance launching of the film, or it's <laughs> being put out into a very prestigious world that Sundance represents or encompasses, it was picked up by PBS through the Independent Lens Project and was shown nationally on PBS on Earth Day of 2010, which was the 40th anniversary of Earth Day. So it was a very, I think, related screening for the film, its message and the audience. And we're still getting orders for DVDs for the film 12 years later and requests to run various clips. Uh, I got one from Germany today asking to have the hummingbird sequence with Wangari Mathai to be shown in an educational environment in Germany. So it has actually remained alive as our thesis is that dirt is alive. At my end, I just had an episode. I don't know if you know Dan Barber, who's the chef at Blue Hill here. Yes. So dirt for him is huge. Yeah, it is. And we actually filmed with him, interviewed him. We had a great interview with him for Kiss the Ground that for various reasons didn't make it into the film. But I, Laurie and I, my wife and another couple had an extraordinary meal there. And we also, the team filmed with him in uh, Tarrytown. Now, because of, partly because of him, I've seen him speak before. And Dirt goes back a ways. Did you break the, was it big before the movie? Or did you help make it big? I mean, there's John uh, Liu who, factors in it who had done who's been doing his work for a while well there clearly people had been great proponents of working with the earth and dirt and sustainable soil and but our film i think it's safe to say was the first real media latching on to the importance the absolute critical importance the vital role 
that dirt, earth, soil played in the development of life on the planet and its importance to sustaining life today. So I think it's accurate to say that our film was the first major film, certainly that we know of, that really you make a film about earth or the soil. There are all these terrible puns and jokes that you make, but we dug into dirt and soil and earth and it actually captivated us. It took over in a way that was unexpected. But to answer your specific question, as far as we know, our film was the first major exploration and demonstration of the importance of earth, dirt, soil for the health of and the wealth of our planet. All right, I'm not going to let you slide that you would say there's lots of puns that you can make, but we really dug in. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. It, it's an occupational hazard. There's also, now, did you plan for it to be a pop hit? I don't know if that's the right term. You had the graphics and you had the big stars, Jamie Lee Curtis and people like that. Right. Jamie Lee Curtis was our narrator. Jamie is a friend of ours and our children were in the same carpool together. So we have a personal relationship, have had with Jamie for quite a while. But it really, it took off in ways that we couldn't have expected. Laurie and I, when we still talk about dirt a lot, we say that dirt found us. We ended up being, I think, a conduit a medium, if I know there are a lot of ways of looking at, at the earth and soil, dirt, but certainly it grabbed hold of us and we entered into a symbiotic relationship that was much greater than we ever anticipated or knew that it would be for ourselves and hopefully for others, the introduction to this inert, supposedly inert or uninteresting. Our daughter at the time we started making it was a young teenager. And I remember her saying to me, Daddy, you're crazy. You can't make a film about dirt. What are you thinking? Just you can't make a film about dirt. It's ridiculous. And we said, mm, it's more than that. But it really was not of interest or hadn't really been focused on in a broad media sense in a sort of public domain that hopefully documentaries can reach and books and getting the word out. I know that when we were shooting and the inspiration on one level for the film was William Bryant Logan or Bill Logan, the writer of the book, Dirt, the Ecstatic Skin of the Earth. And I remember we were filming at St. John the Divine Cathedral in New York by Columbia, where I graduated from college. And I remember we were out in the garden there and I had to figuratively put a gun to Bill's head and say, please just say dirt's alive. You know it's alive. Just say it. I know you're a scientist. Just say it. And he finally said, yeah, well, it's more alive than we are or could be. And But there is a life to uh, dirt, soil, the earth that 
I think is <laughs> critically important to the planet. And we were able to become its human spokesperson or people in a way that it really astounded us and grabbed us. Now I'm curious how so long passed before Kiss the Ground. But I, I, one question more about the star stuff. and Because Gary Vee, I don't really know him that well, but was this before he became... Because he, the guy in the movie didn't seem like the same personality I'm used to seeing. He seemed more genuine. <laughs> Oops. More rooted. He was a wine expert. And we interviewed him in relation to vineyard and his interest in wine. And he was famous for having been, and he, which he did in dirt, he tasted it. And that was interesting, but he was not the media personality that he is now. He was someone very interested in the soil and in vineyards and that world. But he, I think, has perhaps changed a lot more than any of us uh, knew from the beginning or expected. I suspected you were part of it. You got his first big break. I don't know about that, but I know that dirt certainly has reached a lot of people. And it got out ahead of, you were asking about Kiss the Ground and why that takes so long to make, in a way, sometimes making a documentary can easily take five years and it's like I started yesterday. And Kiss the Ground took about seven years to make. So we, Laurie and I, saw our involvement with Kiss the Ground as an extension of it was the next step in our thought process about bringing the understanding of dirt, soil, earth into its next phase, which for us was starting with composting. And then when we met Josh and Rebecca Tickell, who are the director and producer with me and others who came in later on Kiss the Ground, and Lori was the first executive producer of many others on the film. It was a continuation of our thought process of the importance of soil, but what became, and through composting, what became really interesting and what they brought immediately into the mix, and which is why we decided we would work with them and not pursue our own sequel to Dirt, the movie, was that they had already started focusing on regenerative agriculture and its importance in the life of the planet and the health of the planet and what could be done to help reverse, if possible, climate change in a way that is unique in that it doesn't require the cutting down of the emissions that we know are polluting the planet and from basically cars to a large degree or very prominently. It is a method of securing carbon, sequestering it, putting it into the ground 
by just changing uh, simple or relatively simple agricultural practices, which entails or is part of composting. And so we felt that we could work together in a symbiotic way with Josh and Rebecca Tickell. And so we started that film, but that film took as long as it had taken us to make dirt as well, because dirt took at least six to eight years to make. One of the things I say to a lot of people is that when I, back in when I was younger and I was going out dancing all the time in my clubbing phase and I got to be, I had my artwork up in these big clubs and I used to hang out behind the DJ booth with the DJs. Mm -hmm. And I often say, if you had told me then that somewhere in the future, the highlight of my year, or at least the summer, was when I'd go to the farm where I get my CSA vegetables from and I'd be digging carrots and potatoes out of the ground and I would prefer that the me of that time would look at that person and say, are you crazy? Look, the famous DJ, I'm, I'm a VIP. It's, I'm having so much fun. This is the height of New York City. Why would I want to stick my hands in the dirt? Yeah. And so I look at the movie starts off with Woody Harrelson and it's got Giselle and it's got all these other big stars, which I think you also took to another level compared to Dirt the movie, which I, I presume was a deliberate, these are influential people. And so I felt like there's a... Even independent of, of climate, as if that's not plenty of reason, connecting to the earth is so powerful and so earthy and so lost. And I didn't even know what I was missing. And I think that describes a lot of people in the world today. Yeah, I don't think for growing up in, I was born in New York City and then my parents, we moved up to the suburb or out to the suburbs. And um, I don't think that we're really a lot of us are exposed to what you're just talking about, the richness and the potential pleasures and rewards of dealing with something that's very far afield from urban life, but is still both critically important and can be fascinating as well, as you've learned uh, and as we have spent a lot of time learning about ourselves. And if I'm not jumping too quickly to fungi, fantastic fungi, because the visuals in that were really outstanding, really exciting. And not just the later part the, with the, the psychedelic stuff, which is also very interesting. But I emailed you this, that I think one of the big things was, I think it's easy to think of fungi as an also ran, like animals, that's a big one. Plants, that's cool. Fungi, that's a weird thing. And this watching those showing how they grow and the everyone should watch it to see how it, it represents. You show a lot of different things. One fungus for mushroom growing, but also like the networking, the networking, but also how it might eat up, decompose a piece of fruit. And all of these, I started seeing fungus. And was this deliberate on your part? Was to like fungus is a peer, maybe even in in some ways advanced because it got on land first. One of the things that tied this all together, I think I might have mentioned to you my phrase, invisible inevitability, where things connect in ways that you could never anticipate or imagine. They happen inextricably. So what I'm getting at is we opened 
the beginning of Dirt, the movie, is with Paul Stamets out in the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State. And Paul, we started specifically um, with, we actually initially, he was the first person we filmed with when we made Dirt. So it wasn't just an accident that he was in the beginning of the film editorially afterwards. We actually started. And the reason was that we tell the story of how mycelium, uh, fungi break, how this breaks down organic matter and recycles. It's part of the process of the earth being able to be alive because all the dead debris from plants, trees, doesn't just sit there inertly. It becomes part of the life process, is reprocessed into a living cycle that allows the next forms of life to come along. So Paul was the opening his work and following him doing his explanation about mushrooms and recycling that fungi allows the the planet to have as an engine for rebirth and continuation of life. So that was part of where we started our process intellectually with the film and in our, our storytelling. So you were friends with him because I feel like he was a big part of that movie. I felt like a couple of characters, the other movies had, he was a much stronger, much bigger part of that movie than the other ones. Paul is a very charismatic figure, an amazing botanist, entrepreneur, lecturer. You can see that actually it's probably not a very good word that he lives. He enjoys himself a lot with everything he does. And I think that there was a link that I think is worthwhile mentioning, which I didn't ask you, we didn't talk about before. Do you know the annual Bioneers Conference in Northern California? Well, before I saw Fantastic Fungi, I watched his talk there. And I think that's where I heard of it from him, from that. Bioneers is an annual conference. My wife, Lori, and I have been friends with the founders of Kenny and Nina Osabel and have been attending for, I think we're coming up to 35 years now, as long as we've been together, Lori and I, and we met Kenny and Nina very early on. And Bioneers has been a place where a lot of the people that are in dirt, we found out about or met through the conferences, conference the annual conference of Bioneers. And so Paul was someone who's been a perennial star at Bioneers. And he was someone we actually met there before we filmed with him. And he is someone in this world of caring about the earth and the processes and the products that come out of it produce, in effect, even though I don't think calling mushrooms produce is probably quite accurate. But so Paul is someone who is there in this world 
over so many different into so many different places and in such a related manner. I'm curious how Michael Pollan also shows up in it a fair amount. And I've only read half of his How to Change Your Mind because uh, I had to give the book back to who it wasn't my copy. And so I still have to finish it. But which came first? I could or they, did they come together? Were you work collaborating? Michael Pollan's been known in this world for a very long time. And he's a go-to person in certainly Change Your Mind is so related to uh, Paul's work and psychedelics. Uh, clearly, Change Your Mind is about psychedelics. But Paul has been, for decades, one of the, I guess, top people in the world in anything having to do with mushrooms or, for that matter, its amazing properties. Now I want to get to... I could keep talking about those things, but the voice, the unifying voice, if there is one, and I've, there's other movies that I have, like Lost City of the Monkey God, I feel is going to connect with these. And uh, for people who didn't listen to the first episode, there's the Hadza. And I think there's something very natural, something very earthy that you want to get out that reconnect. It feels very close to what I'm, and, and also very human, very using voices of very well-known people, genuine and authentic not lecturing, not telling. There is new information, a lot of stuff that we would know, but it's people sharing it mm -hmm. as opposed to teaching, like, here's what you need to know. We, we're not trying to be didactic. I think what's wonderful about this journey that we've been on, we're learning and we're fascinated and we're always eager to be able to integrate and expand what we know and to explore avenues of that which we don't know. So for us, it is an organic process in the best possible sense, I think, in that it nourishes us and we hope that what we are able to learn and to be able to show to others is part of an active process that is worth telling and certainly worth uh, trying to continue to learn about. I think that you want to do more than learn and share. I think you want to change. You want to lead. The original name of this podcast was Leadership in the Environment, and it feels like in there. Is that a big part of it? Do you want to change culture? Do you want to change people? We would like to enlighten and hopefully when people become more knowledgeable or are exposed to how interested we are and what and the people who are involved in these processes are seen to be, we certainly would like to do what we can to save the planet, ameliorate our really dangerous and detrimental pathways. So, yeah, we believe that there are healthier ways of doing things, and we'd like to have other people both become knowledgeable of it and hopefully be able to change. It's part of the group of filmmakers and friends that we have that I think we feel 
it's very important to protect life and to try to keep the human living planet relationship in some kind of balance and to correct those areas that we are really screwing up and to to terrible with terrible results and so we definitely want to if we had a magic wand there'd be a lot of things that we would <laughs> do but short of that we'd like to share what we are interested in and have learned and hope that others will be able to follow suit i hear in what you're saying a sense of urgency but I don't see in the movies a franticness that a lot of other movies have. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. We, we don't think that um, trying to either scream at people or to hit them over the head in such a monstrous way that will either knock them out or stupefy them or just be angry is it's not how we want to be and it's not how we think will be most effective. I think you can do more to win people's hearts and minds than to kill them and, and to to bludgeon them into some kind of, I don't know, whatever you might think is the right way to do it. I, I have plenty of personal animosities and hatreds. Our ex-president, I could just start foaming at the mouth. I'm not making political films. Uh, I probably would be bad at it because I don't think I would do much more than preach to the people who already felt the same way and drive away everyone else. But we haven't had to do that in our documentary films, our films about the magic of the earth and people and who live a healthy and interesting lifestyle, that seems to be worth exploring and trying to demonstrate. Yeah, my book proposal, I talk about a lot of people do three C's, cajole, coerce, convince. And I think all of these serve to get people to dig in their heels. They're seeking compliance on something that's fun, on something that's joyful, on something that's glorious. We've been lucky in that way, in, in that we've found so much life and energy and connectivity, even with humans, <laughs> in relation to the subjects that we live in Los Angeles. And it's a major city. We're lucky to live in a part of Los Angeles that we're surrounded by trees. That's an anomaly. And we would like to share the fun and the joy, the appreciation of what we have and what we've learned about. And I think that's a better way than hitting people, as you're saying, bludgeoning them. And I, I don't know that works. I haven't really, I have a lifetime, I go back to the Vietnam War when my reaction to it was to join the Peace Corps and go to northeastern Brazil and try to help people if I could, and certainly not to kill them. So it does fit into my way 
of and my wife's way, Lori's way of examining and relating to the world. Is that human approach, that uh, supportive approach? That's right. Is that how you get all these stars? You're also in Hollywood. Are they personal friends or are they people who are looking to get a voice out that you can help them with? Well, in relation particularly to Kiss the Ground, which has more celebrities in it than Dirt the Movie, the, the people we have in Dirt the Movie might be very well known in our world, in the world of scientists and activists, farmers. But certainly in a consideration for the need to get a film to connect with as large an audience as possible. And for example, Kiss the Ground has won over 70. I think that's accurate. I know it's over 60. I think we're into 70 film festival awards. Um, it's a useful tool to have a celebrity narrator and to have other well-known celebrities, people who are sought after and whose words and ideas are considered to be something a lot of people would like to know about and participate with. Certainly, Kiss the Ground, more than Dirt the Movie, has a strong component of celebrities, uh, people who are interesting because they're well-known, not necessarily within the field of regenerative agriculture. And so that's a sort of media reality. Just because it's useful doesn't mean that they'll do it. Useful right. to you doesn't no. mean... No, that's true. And, and certainly, I would say with our partners, Josh and Rebecca on Kiss the Ground, they have a lot of following and a lot of friends, friends in high places, friends who are willing to go on camera. And um, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchkin, and they have, through their work and possibly not necessarily building on Dirt the movie, but since we're partners and they saw Dirt before they met us, I think it's partially a natural and almost a necessary evolution in getting a major message out now, it is better accepted by having a strong exponents of it than doing it simply for the content itself. Now I want to go in a different direction. And you, now you read the proposal, so you know about what I call now the AIM method. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to walk you through that, if that's okay with you. Go ahead, please. I don't know how much detail you read it, but anyway. So the environment is something that matters to you, if I don't, if I don't misread you. Right. I hope so. <laughs> All right. When you think about nature, what do you think about? What motivates you to act? And I don't mean in the future what your goals are, but in the past, what, like what's worth saving? If you just, for example, the question just asked me, what do I think about? Well, I look out here where I am now and I see these magnificent trees. I'm, I'm looking at, at green now. I'm looking the, the sky. I can see the sky through this maybe century old oak tree that I'm looking through. 
And what I immediately think of is trees and greenery and the sunlight that energizes it and the symbiotic, the life-giving relationship that we have. And before, when Lori and I met, I had a small condominium down by the beach in Santa Monica. And I looked out, we were able to look out and see the ocean. And then we moved inland a mile or so. And I know various old friends who said, don't you miss the the ocean, seeing the ocean, uh, waking up and seeing the ocean? And I said, my answer is I love seeing the ocean of green. This to me is as beautiful or as energizing as having seen the ocean. And so I think I have that relationship, we do, where we feel very comfortable being in an urban oasis, uh, really a, a mini forest or a mini grove within a city, which we find to be astounding and very life-affirming. It's really beautiful to hear. And it's hard not to, I guess if I look out there, I can't see any trees from where I'm sitting, but I can see what you're talking about, my experience of it. And you described emotions of calm, an aesthetic beauty, energizing. What's your experience? What, what, what's the emotional experience of these things? Or did I just capture what you... I feel like I'm very lucky. We're very lucky to have this combination of being within, for me, an urban environment, but living within the trees. For example, when I was in the Peace Corps, I spent two years out in the really backlands of northeastern Brazil. And it was a very formative time. And I had... <laughs> a very intense dose of being very unurban, <laughs> very rural. And having this, having it both ways, I'm surrounded by beautiful trees and I have this stimulus culturally, intellectually, food-wise, you know, cuisine, with the choices that you have within an urban environment like you have in New York and we have in Los Angeles. And yet I can retreat into this very protective uh, place that is very meaningful to me. Based on all these things, I'm hearing a lot of rewarding experiences of beauty, a protective oasis, I want to activate this in a new way. Some, I invite you, if you're up for it, to think of something to do that you're not already doing to embody these things in a new way. And I'm not saying change your life, although you can and some choose to, but to think of something you could do to act on those feelings, those emotions in a new way, something you're not already doing. And just to clarify, I'm not saying something that a lot of people hear. I'm not saying what's the most important thing you can do for the environment or it's not to fix the environment at all. Okay. It's simply to act on what you described your experience of nature is 
to do a bit more. So with three conditions, something you're not already doing, something that you do yourself with your own hands Mm -hmm. and something you don't have to measure it, but after you're done to say that it's just that there's some physical change that you view as an improvement that you've left things better than you found them. And if you're up for it, Almost no one has it immediately what it, it, it takes five minutes of going back and forth or sometimes less to come up with something. But if you're up for it, you want to give it a shot? Let's explore this. I'm sure I'm up for it. <laughs> okay. Sometimes it comes quickly. Is there anything that came to mind as I was saying it? Because a lot of people feel like, oh, I've been meaning to do X for a while and not this will be my chance to do it. Well, what comes to mind is we had a really major windstorm over the weekend. And I had a plant outside a a small tree blow over in the wind at the back of our house and the pot broke. And I started cleaning, cleaning it up and trying to see if maybe I can repot it and save it from having been broken, the pot and the tree knocked out of the, the container. So what comes to mind is just to be more earthy, very specifically with a endangered tree. Are you saying that you would, you might have otherwise just figured, well, it's lost. And instead for this, you may either plant it in the ground or or get a new pot. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm trying to see about, first of all, the, um, Gluing together, even though it's a pretty big uh, container, it, it only broke in like three places. And I'm going to see if I can get some kind of ceramic glue for the pot specifically. It would be quickest, I think. And then replant the root base and the, put the tree back in and see if I haven't lost it. And if that planter doesn't work in the way that I hope, then I'll see about just planting it somewhere in our backyard. So if you were not going to do that anyway, that would fit the bill. If you were going to do that anyway, then you were going to do it anyway. If, is it something that because of this, you're definitely going to do it and you might not have otherwise? Well, I, you're motivating me further. <laughs> you know, uh, is you put it into a, a, a challenge and I've, verbalized it and externalized it. I I think maybe, okay, I was thinking about it. I cleaned the dirt around it away. And I think I'll uh, be further enticed into working on this. And I want to make sure that it's sometimes people do stuff like, oh, here's this thing that doesn't, if it's a, sometimes there's a big coincidence and it's not necessarily directly related to what's inside them. Would this be an acting, would this be in a way acting on what you're talking about of your experience of this sea of green? I think so. I think, well, we have a lot, we live in a very lush place, but this particular, this plant was inside of our house and it wasn't doing well and we moved it out. And then it was, Amazingly, even though it's in the back of our house in an area where you don't think there would be any wind, it got uh, knocked over and broken. Uh, the potter, the planter broke. And I feel like I've been nurturing this for a while. It, 
I'm not going to give up on it and let it just be destroyed by a blast of wind that somehow sucked around the side of our house. In that case, it sounds like it fits the bill. And then I wonder if you'd be willing to come back on another time to share about the experience. I'd be glad to. Okay. It's a definite motivation to do what I've been just uh, playing with, not at the forefront, but you're externalizing it in a way that I don't want to be held accountable for, oh, I neglected it or I didn't really follow through. So, yeah, I'd be glad to report on it. That element of accountability is a part of the technique, mm -hmm. deliberately. And okay. if I read you right, I see a smile. And I do I read that it's not a fake smile, that it's not a uh, humoring Josh smile? No, I don't think so. I think it's a worthwhile endeavor, worthwhile exercise, and one that I'll be glad to have an extra incentive to do. So this technique, the AIM method, is, I walked you through it, and I'll get it, I'll speak a bit meta for a second, is that, you know, it's honed over hundreds of episodes and thousands of conversations built on my own leadership practice going back decades. Right. Of leading the big switch. A lot of people listen to this podcast, and still, even when they hear episodes like this, they say, oh, it's so cool how you get people to do these little things. Some people actually pick really big things, like they'll change their whole life. And so it's not big versus little, it's intrinsic versus extrinsic. Okay. So I, I begin by tapping into a person's, what the environment means to them. And what your experience, people around you anticipated that the ocean meant a lot more to you than it did relative to a sea of green. Right. If I had mistakenly thought, oh, you're in LA, maybe the ocean's big for you, I'd be off. And I, if I tried to motivate you based on my incorrect, and in general, I'm going to miss it. If I tried to motivate you based on something that's in, not intrinsic to you, you, I might get some compliance, but it would probably be more browbeating, bludgeoning. Whereas if I tap into what you have, and I invite you to think of something you can do to act on it. Now, the first thing you do may be small, maybe big, but... It will feel, I predict, and I don't want to lead the witness here, but I predict that when we speak next time, if I ask you if you found it meaningful, I think you'll say yes. Uh, thank you. I like the challenge. I like the process. I, I like being motivated to do something that was just beginning to be on the edge of the myriad things that I do. I like this. I think it's a concentration and a I'm eager to follow through on the process with you. And now another big element of it is the way that you describe feeling is roughly similar to how virtually everyone, not everyone, but almost everyone feels. They're glad to do something. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something that this is a different. The motivation is different than most people. I think if you ask about what you can do for the environment, they say, what I do doesn't matter which is this tragically, no one wants to say that to their children. Oh, it's okay. What you do doesn't matter. And, and you know, only governments and corporations can make a difference or the plane was going to fly anyway. So 
if this techniques if this technique works in making me making people feel motivated and want to do it you just described the next stage in the strategy which is the most influential people to bring very influential people to realize like DiCaprio flies around a lot and he takes a lot of hit. He, he undermines, I, I, maybe I'm overstating this. Maybe, I don't know, but I think he undermines his message by not living by the values that he, I believe the, as I see it, I'm, I, I don't, he doesn't, the flying undermines that we got to reduce polluting. Haven't traveled for how many years by plane? By plane. Yeah. If you had only said you haven't traveled, March 2016 was the last time I flew. So I'm just in, I just started my seventh year. That's amazing. Now I have traveled. Right. And I've had travel experiences that equaled anything and surpassed anything I've done by plane, Mm -hmm. just without flying. Right. And now I began it as an experiment to see if I could do it. And also I felt like I was taking one for the team, sacrificing something. Mm Mm-hmm. With pollution being the main reason, but now the longer I go without flying, the more there's very little chance I'll ever go in an airplane again. It's and community, connection, family. These are what airplanes tear apart. They destroy these things and they make us feel like we're getting more when they're actually one plane will take you to someone far away that you love. But flying in general is why you're far apart in the first place. Okay. And anyway, I don't want to get too much about airplanes. Okay. But when someone acts on authentic, intrinsic motivation, I think they like sharing what they're doing and they like sharing their experience. And I want to bring this to the most influential people around. Okay. And to act authentically and intrinsically. A very worthwhile goal. And, and I know that you're doing that and sharing that and you're an exponent of it and I'm eager to find out more about it. So I propose leaving it there until next time because after you do it, it's possible you'll have a terrible experience. You'll inadvertently kill the tree and feel terrible. (laughs) But I suspect... Hope not. (laughs) Well, I'd be glad to report about hopefully saving the tree. All right. So let's log off here unless there's anything else for you to close with. And then before we disconnect, we'll schedule the next time. All good. I'm fine. Thank you. Bill Benenson, thank you again. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Josh. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, There's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.